Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. Well, today we are going to wrap up this series called Access Your Best Life. And as we've been in this series, we've been making our way through the book of Romans. And along the way, in addition to all of that, we have been handing out homework every week uh, uh, homework assignments for all of us to participate in. And so we started with um, you know, reading through different chapters of the book of Romans. And, and so that was a big part of what we did. And, and we read through uh, the, the book of Romans for a couple of weeks. And then we switched it up a little bit and we decided to memorize, the homework was to memorize two verses from Romans chapter 12. And then the next week, it was to read Romans chapter 12. And then the week after that, we uh, kind of switched gears again and had a spiritual gift survey that we made available to everyone so that you could kind of figure out how God has gifted you. God has all kinds of gifts that he's given to the church, that he's given to his kingdom, um, but he's given specific gifts to you. And you could take this survey and kind of figure that out. You can actually still do that. Um, if you didn't have a chance to do that, we had a lot of people who did, but if you didn't have a chance, if you go on the FCC app that you can get from any app store on your, your, uh, your phone, it's just FCC E-Town and you'll find it, it's free. But if you go into that app, one of the buttons that's there says serve, it has a bunch of hands that are in the air. If you click on that button, one of the options is the spiritual gifts survey. It takes you about 15 minutes to take it and it lets you know, hey, here's what your, your gifts are that God has given to you based on who you are. This is how he's wired you up. And we've had over 150 people who have already participated in, uh, in, in taking that survey, so maybe that's something that you want to do. But then the next week, we offered up a, a homework assignment to fast for one day during the week. And uh, the, the challenge was specifically towards fasting from meals, but it also gave the option of, of hey, maybe it's you're going to fast from something else. Maybe you're going to fast from technology, or you're going to fast from your phone, or fast from screens, whatever the case was. And then last week, uh, Jason gave us another homework assignment, and that was that we would pray, that we would pray specifically uh, for people who have authority over us. And so that could happen in a lot of different ways. We could pray um, for our, our federal government and the people there. We could pray for our state government, our city government, or you could just pray for your boss, someone who has oversight over you, has authority over you. And, and so maybe you did that, and you found that that was maybe a little different than how you've spent your prayer time in the past, or maybe even a little difficult uh, to pray in that way, but that's what a challenge is. It's something that shouldn't come super easily for you. It's probably something that's a little difficult. But here's what I'd like to do. All those homework assignments, um, if you participated in any of those, okay, whether, I'm not asking that you did all of them, but if you participated in any of them, whether it was reading scripture, or it was memorizing scripture, or taking that spiritual gift survey, or fasting, or prayer, if you participated in any of that at any point during this series, would you just make some noise right now? Would you do that right where you are? Awesome. That is awesome to see, and I hope that those who are with us online uh, have done that as well. We couldn't hear you, but we assume that in your living room, you hooped and hollered right where you were. So it's just, it's, I'm so proud of you for doing that, because this is God's word that we're talking about, and this stuff matters. It's powerful in our life. Now, all those homework assignments had in common that they are um, something that required something of us. Okay, At the very minimum, Every one of them required time from us. It takes time to read God's word. It takes time 
to memorize God's word. So time was required at the very minimum for everybody. But there were some of us where more was required than just our time. Um, It may have been that uh, you were required to give up uh, meals as part of that fasting time, or you gave up time on your phone, or you gave up screen time. Or, or for those of us who haven't memorized something since like high school, uh, you may have given up some brain cells to try and get some of those verses down that you were memorizing, but we had to give something up uh, to accomplish the homework. Well, that ties in, and it's a lesson that's very powerful for us to learn right as we get to the end of this series, and right as we get to the end of what Paul has to say to us in Romans chapter 13. And if you've got your Bible with you today, um, would you pull that Bible out, whether it's a digital or or physical Bible, and go ahead and open with me to Romans chapter 13 as we kind of finish out the chapter today. I mean, this is God's word, and it is powerful, and it is meaningful, and it matters. And so I would just ask that you would do that with us as we're going through, and let me try and wrap all of this together. Here at FCC, we have a vision, and that vision is to lead people closer to Jesus. And so everything that we do and everything that we're about and everything that that happens on our schedule is about that very thing, to lead people closer to Jesus. We're going to do that with everything we've got. That's our vision. And it seems to me that that vision is the perfect heading for these final verses in Romans chapter 13 as Paul's kind of closing this whole thing up. And these last seven verses wrap it all together, especially what he's most recently been talking about. Because after he finished talking at the end of uh, Romans chapter 12, Paul was talking about how we need to love one another and, and, and we need to love one another in good times and in bad times. And Taylor talked to us about that a couple of weeks ago. And then, as we looked at last week, in Romans chapter 13, there's this moment where Paul kind of seems to switch gears into something completely different as he calls for us to submit to our authority and to pay our taxes and to be good citizens. And I thought that last week, Judas, did I say Judas? I meant Jason. Um, I thought Jason did a great job, seriously, kind of tying all that together and helping us understand that. But I think Paul's going to wrap it all up here and help us understand how this all fits together, starting in verse 8. And he says this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, Paul's making something really clear. That this life that he's calling for us to live And this challenge that he is putting out to us is not a a new thing at all. That it actually is a foundational, basic understanding that God has always had for his people. And it goes all the way back to when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai and handed the, the Ten Commandments to the people to say, here's what God wants of us. 
that at the very beginning okay, of, of this relationship that God had with Israel, 2,000 years before Paul ever wrote these words, there was this idea to love and think about and care about other people. Paul re- recites those uh, commandments and he repeats them, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. They all have one thing in common. Every one of those um, do nots is preventing us from bringing harm to another person. They're not calls for us to live a certain kind of spiritual life or participate in some kind of spiritual activity. The commandments given by God are all about us bringing no harm to other people. Now, adultery and murder and, and theft, all of them, they harm another person. But in fact, all of them don't just harm another person, singular. It typically goes so far as to harm a group of people. All of those are are sins that bring harm to families, bring harm to neighborhoods, bring harm to communities, all because of our activities. Now, before we leave these commandments that Paul lays out there and think that what Paul's getting at is that, look, these are the really big things, so you just have to worry about these really big sins that are in life, I, I don't think that Paul's highlighting these as the only things that matter, but rather showing us a competition that exists inside of us. And it is the competition between selfishness and selflessness. And that competition is really about the selfish side of us that just says, hey, I'm going to take what I want. That's the list of those commandments that are there what that's fighting against. So selfishness is taking what I want. Selflessness, though, is recognizing that me taking what I want is potentially going to bring harm to another person. And the competition that happens inside of us is our ability to make a choice between those two extremes. And it's that competition that allowed Jesus to so easily answer the question that was posed to him about, hey, what's the greatest commandment that's given by God to man? You remember how Jesus replied? Jesus replied by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, Paul beautifully says, don't have any debt between you and another person except the debt that you have to love one another. And that is a debt that really never gets paid in full. Because if you are really wanting to define love, okay, if you want to define what love is and what love looks like and how love acts and how love speaks, then it's about that tension and that competition between selfishness and selflessness. And what love really is, is that love is selflessness. See, I figured out a long time ago that when it comes to sin, And all the sin that you see listed in Scripture and all the sin that you and I would maybe write down as the sins that are present in our culture and present in our society and and, and present in our world right now, every one of those sins goes all the way back always, always, always to selfishness. Whether it's a sin of relationship 
or whether it's a sin of finances or whether it's the, the sin of words or whether it's the, 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 the sin of attitude or, or whether it's the sin of stuff, any of them come back to selfishness that I want something and I don't care what it does to anybody else. Now that's the negative side of the equation. But think about this. Everything that you can imagine, every idea that you can come up with that would express love to another person, all of that expression, all of that experience can be summed up as selflessness. Whether it's notes that you write or it's gifts that you give or it's a meal that you deliver or it's kind words that you express or it's an encouragement that you offer or it's a service that you do, all of it is selflessness. Now Jesus says in, in what we just said that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. And Paul quotes him in that, which is just in, incredibly powerful stuff, love your neighbor. Paul adds to it a little bit by saying love does no harm to a neighbor. Now, let's dig into who your neighbor is because your neighbor is not just the person that lives on either side of you. Okay, that's our most basic definition of neighbor and that's not what Paul means nor does, is it what Jesus means. But I, I wanna dig into this further because it's not just that a neighbor means uh, the people that live on either side of you and your friends and family. Okay, that this is important that we, we, we go recognize that neighbor is more far-reaching than that. Your neighbor is really anyone who is in your sphere of influence. Your neighbor, I heard this term yesterday, is anyone in your social universe. Anyone that you come in contact with. Anyone who is part of your day, part of your week. This includes people that you oversee. It includes people who oversee you. This includes people that you are uh, shopping with, this includes people that you come in contact with at stores and at restaurants, it includes people that you come in contact with or that you see or that you recognize in traffic. This has everything to do with people who are in your sphere of influence that you like and that you don't like. Those are the people who are your neighbors. That's how big the realm of neighbors really is. And I wanna, I wanna go down this road. I wanna make sure we dig down on this for just a moment for a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't wanna let us off the hook by viewing our neighbors with such a small scope that we're only thinking about the people that are easy to love. We, we have people in our life who, who are easy to love. And they're part of our neighbor circle, but it's not everybody. But I also want us to think about this for a second reason. I want you to just imagine the breadth and the scope of who could be impacted by love if we understand who make up our neighbors. Just think about this week coming up. Today, uh, through first and second service and online, there's about a thousand people who are gonna hear this message. What if those thousand people were interacting this week, they were talking this week with the people who are in their social universe, in their sphere of influence? The impact of that, the influence of that is immense. If we had the willpower 
to ask ourselves this week, starting this afternoon, ask ourselves whether what we are about to say or what we are about to do is something that might bring harm to another person in our sphere of influence or whether what we are about to say or what we are about to do could encourage and build up some, someone in our sphere of influence. If we thought about that all the way through this week, I don't say this lightly, it could change the world. Jesus wanted us to push his love into the world. And, and what he wanted us to push into the world was his selflessness. Because love is selflessness. However, we have some excuses that we make when it comes to this subject of selflessness and when it comes to this competition between selfishness and selflessness. And, and the excuse that we have is not a new excuse. In fact, it's the same excuse that Paul knew about, not only from the people he was writing to, but from his own life. It's what led him to write, I believe, what he wrote at least partially in, in verse 11 of Romans chapter 13. He said this, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Now, Paul says, wake up from your slumber. Now, it's possible that Paul recognized that he had written a really long letter Okay? I mean, this is a letter that we've been talking about for weeks of time now. We're already in chapter 13 of this letter that Paul wrote, and this is a letter that's going to be read out loud publicly at all the different churches. And so it's possible that Paul, recognizing that he'd written a really long letter, would be at that point where some people were falling asleep during the reading of his letter. Okay? And that's what he means by wake up from your slumber. I get that. Okay? Because when I write my sermons, I'm trying to anticipate those moments when a few of you are going to nod off. And I try and add in at the right moment something that's going to kind of spark the crowd and make a little noise so that you can wake up from your slumber. You know who you are. But I don't think that was Paul's play here. I think at least partially what Paul's talking about in this moment is our need to wake up from the slumber of the excuses that we use that kind of hedge us towards selfishness on occasion. We've got a lot of excuses that we'll use within that competition of selfishness and selflessness. Sometimes the excuse that we use is about our age. And we'll kind of say things like, well, if I were older, if I were older, I, I would be involved in that. If I were older, I would kind of give myself towards that, but I don't think anyone will pay attention to me because of how young I am, and so I'm not going to participate in that, and I'm not going to do that because I, I'm too young. Or we come at it from the other end of the spectrum, and we think, boy, I wish that opportunity had been around when I was younger, back when I had energy, back when I didn't need a nap every afternoon. I wish that I could have done that back then, and I would have done that, but now I'm too old, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to help with that. I'm not going to participate there. Or, or sometimes it's a financial excuse that we make. You know, if I were richer, I would give towards that. I, I'd make a difference there. 
but I'm too strapped right now. Or sometimes it's a personality type thing. We think to ourselves, boy, that looks like something that would require a people person. And if I were a people person, I'd probably be perfect for that. But I'm not a people person, so I'll let a people person take care of that instead of me. Or maybe we make it an Enneagram thing. You know, that's something that needs an Enneagram 8. Okay, if I were an 8, that would be perfect for me. I'm not an 8. I'm, not, I'm a long way from an 8. That's, I'm the other side of the deal here. So that's not for me. So I'm just not going to do that. Or maybe it's a skills thing. Boy, if I was better at cooking... If I had better penmanship, okay, if I had a better reputation, if I had a little more experience, if I had a little more time, then I would help. Then I'd get involved. Then I'd kind of jump in. And we use all of these excuses. To kind of think through how we can kick the process down the road a little bit further to a life that maybe will come later or maybe a life we'll never have. And if we were in that spot, then we would choose to be selfless. Can can I just tell you that whoever you are and however you are and wherever you are, Whatever expression of selflessness you can muster is an expression of love. So don't postpone selflessness. I think about the difference between who we were when we were kids and who we are as adults, and boy, I use that term adults with quotation marks around it. But it seems like as we get older, we we become more cautious and we become more calculated at just about everything. And part of it is is that we've had experiences and, and those experiences have helped us build an equation into certain situations and 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 we look at all the different variables that are present in any type of setting and where we used to just rush into something when we were kids, now we, we, we go through the equation and we calculate everything and we decide whether, what, what, what the potential is here before we even step into it. And there's pros and cons to that. When we were kids, we used to rush into things we should never have rushed into. But as adults, sometimes our calculations don't take us to the greatest places either. Just as a for instance, if, if somebody is asking you for money, there is a snap judgment that we make now as adults. Or we assume that it's either a scam or that whatever we would do to give money to this person, they would not use it in the helpful way that we meant for them to use it when we give it to them. And so we use all of that experience and all of those variables and we think through the whole thing and we decide exactly how that equation is going to come out before we ever act and what we choose usually to do is just not act. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be cautious and I recognize that we live in a country that is guilty of enabling an awful lot of activity and an awful lot of uh, habits in our own country and in our own society and I get all of that. However, There is a tipping point 
to all of our caution and all of our experience that we can tend to use as granting ourselves permission to postpone selflessness. But it's also true that I think Paul's words of timing here at the end of Romans chapter 13 are also about a season that all of us are in together. Okay, No matter what your social status, no matter what your financial standing right now, no matter what age you are, no matter what your marital status, any of that stuff kind of goes out the window because we're all in one season together. And here's what that season is. That we have all been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ because of what Jesus did when he came to be among us the first time. But when he was here the first time, he promised that he was coming back a second time. And in our preparation for that, we have been in a season of waiting for him to come back a second time. Now, I don't believe that we're supposed to be able to pinpoint exactly when that time is or to kind of predict when that's going to happen and and figure out all of the the stars that are going to come into alignment to make that happen. I think it's going to happen when it happens. But the thing is, we have been in that season for quite some time now. And we don't know how much longer that season is going to go on, but we have been given the charge of helping every neighbor that we possibly can to know Jesus when he comes back a second time. And it comes all the way back to what our vision is as a church. We should do everything that we can with our money and everything that we can with our relationships and everything that we can with our stuff to lead people closer to Jesus. So in light of that, hear Paul's final words in Romans 13. He says this, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the armor of light. Not down the road. Not in the future. Not someday. But now. Because we are in this season when Jesus is coming back and we don't know when it's going to be, but what charge we have been given is to make sure that every neighbor among us in our social universe knows Jesus when he comes back. And so we are to be urgently selfless. Not someday, but today. It has been a, uh, a busy, busy, busy week here at FCC. Well, we just finished last night with If Elizabethtown, and there were uh, 400 women who were uh, gathered together to worship and to learn together in this great community that is If Elizabethtown right here in this room. And while that was going on, we had our middle school students that were at a retreat, and we had 40 middle school students that were at a retreat down at White Mills. 
And they were gathered together with nine other youth groups from around the area, and, and they were worshiping together, and they were learning together, and they were having a great time together. They just got back at like 8.30 this morning, so if there's some of the ones that have nodded off today, let them sleep. But in addition to those things, we also had three funerals this week at FCC. And funerals, like no other time, put us face to face with the end of our time here on earth. Death can kind of force us to deal with our own mortality and kind of cause us to look back on on what we've made of those days that we've lived thus far, but it's also a time that makes us very mindful and very intentional about whatever it is that is the precious time that we have left and what we're going to do with that. And the kind of person that we want to be someday needs to be today. And the time that we were going to spend with family someday needs to be today. And the time that we were going to set aside for God to kind of build into our relationship with him someday needs to be today. And the words of appreciation and love and encouragement that we were going to speak into someone's life needs to be spoken now. And the generosity that we were hoping to be able to give into something someday cannot wait any longer. And the decision that maybe we've been mulling over in our mind about who Jesus is and whether Jesus was meant for us and and a decision to say yes to Jesus that we were going to make someday, it needs to be today. And all of that goes right back to what Jesus told us. He, He told us this before. It's something that we have been emphasizing around here for the last year, and it comes from Matthew chapter five, and here's what Jesus says. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's who we're supposed to be. Accessing your best life is about being the person that you are because of what Jesus did for you right now, not later. Accessing your best life is not about changing anything about who you are. It's about living out the change that has been made inside of you because of Jesus. Holy Spirit God has been showing you a pathway of selflessness for you to live throughout your day-to-day and throughout your week this week to impact your sphere of influence, to impact your social universe because that's how his love is shared. That's how his love is on display and that is what leads people Closer to Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we, we love you for loving us. 
and the love that you have for us doesn't just extend to those of us who live the way that you want us to live. It doesn't just extend to people who are in certain places in life or certain classes in life. Your love extends around the universe in such a selfless way. It is extended to all, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what our life looks like right now, no matter what our bank account looks like right now, no matter what our marriage looks like right now, no matter what our relationships look like right now, you love us. God, would you help us? Would you help us to see your love, see the purity of that love, and to allow that love to be the kind of selfless love that we put on display today and this week, that your love, your selfless love, would influence the people that these people come in contact with this week. God, we thank you for the, the grace and the forgiveness that's offered by Jesus, but we thank you for the example that we have in him. Would you help us to follow him and live as him and be closer and closer to the model of him and the decisions that we make and the words that we say and the activity of our life this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.